Hello and welcome to the BoulderCast podcast. Your host, Andy. We also have Matt. How's it going, guys? And Ben. Hello, hello. Steiner's been, or Matthew has been, uh, hasn't been with us the past few podcasts. Is that correct? Yeah, what's been going on? Uh, I've had a few projects I've been working on. Uh, I've been teaching a, a couple other labs at CU Boulder for the past month. And I've also, obviously, I've also had some, had research I've been busy with. And in addition to that, I am also organizing a, a, um, a weather balloon launch with Bold, with Boulder Preparatory High School. So I'm in the works of, um, putting that together right now. So I have a bunch on my plate right now. Wow. Is you now by yourself? Uh, myself and a fellow graduate student. We're we're putting it together, but I'm gonna I'm gonna be in charge of teaching it. So um, I'll uh, keep you guys posted on that. Should be a lot of fun for myself and for the kids. Yeah, yeah. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. And you, how those weather labs going? Uh, Are they done? They're done as of yesterday. I just posted the final grades, so I'm Ooh, glad. Yeah. You'll be getting the angry email soon. Probably. Yeah, I'm anticipating <laughs> them already. Why I get a B? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fuck, or, I didn't get an F. I thought or, for sure I was getting an F. <laughs> you gave me a D. Thank you, man. I know. Uh-huh. I love you. Yeah. I'm go swimming this summer. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, maybe they'll post the grid on the refrigerator. I really don't know. I would. <laughs> well, that's good. So, yeah, you, you've been too busy to podcast, but we've also been busy for podcasting, too, with the holidays and... Yeah, mm-hmm. we missed like July. The, yeah, we, we missed like the past couple of weeks. That's right. Yeah, but we'll get back to it. Yeah, and Joseph's not with us. Yeah, he is currently in Hong Kong on vacation to visit his family and his friends. Yeah, yeah. he's in, enjoying the warm weather. I think you know he's having a good time because when he's in Boulder, he usually responds on the Facebook chat like instantly, like right. 30 times a day or That's 100 true. times. But yeah. now it's like once a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's also like a 14-hour time difference. Yeah. <laughs> so. Like I asked, the, I asked the question like a couple of days ago and it, it took him like half the day to respond, you know? I suppose really? that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But maybe he hates us. <laughs> you might remember he doesn't have like internet or anything. He doesn't? On his phone. Oh, right. Yeah. So, I mean, he would have to wait till he got to his computer. That is very true. Which he might never have. Yeah. Joseph, do you have a computer? Are you listening to this podcast? I am not convinced that he has shifted to Hong Kong time already. He is still in Boulder time. He's <laughs> sleeping during the day. Ooh. It's an hour and for every time zone change. Exactly. To acclimate. <laughs> sleeping during the day, partying at night. That's Joseph. <laughs> do you guys know China has one time zone? That's, yeah, I think Joseph told me that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who told me that, but I just remember like hearing that recently. That's like, yeah. Wow, that mm-hmm. is really China-like. <laughs> yeah, they would make their whole country right? go in one time zone with the capital city. It's kind of unfortunate. <laughs> I mean, imagine. It's, yeah, think how wide that country is. It's yeah, probably like should be four time zones. Right. <laughs> there's some. I mean, there's some areas that are gonna have like. 16 hours of daylight while another location may have like eight <laughs> at the same time. I mean, well, eight hours they're awake, you mean, right? Perhaps, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Time zones don't affect your amount of sunlight. 
It would just be if you're awake or not. That's true. I yeah. think. <laughs> well, I just remember whenever... I mean, be north and south would change your daylight. Yeah. Well, I think it, it would also depend on uh, how far west you are on that, on that time zone. Because whenever I was in North Platte living there for a few months, the sun set at oh. 9.30 because it's the very last city that's yeah. in the central time before you shift over to mountain time. So, yeah. I mean, you're also going to be the last one to get the sunrise, though. That's true. So it'll be less time in the morning and more time at night. That's true. But yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Absolutely. That's how some of the, some of the provinces of China must feel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Waking up and it's not bright out until 10 a.m. or something <laughs> crazy. So have you guys been uh, going on any vacations lately? Any day vacations or anything like that? Not really. Well, I mean, last week was 4th of July. That's right. Yeah, it was a big holiday weekend. Oh, boy. So well, took a day trip up to Estes Park. Oh, yeah? Well, I mean, the evening hours. Yeah. We mm-hmm. uh, hiked up. It's like the Gem Lake Trail, mm-hmm. but we hike up just like a half mile. Yeah. And it overlooks the uh, Estes Park Lake. Nice. And you can watch the fireworks from there. Oh, cool. <laughs> but everyone else had the same idea. Yeah. So you I said went up there. There's there probably 100 people up there. Yeah. 100 people, though, considering the population in the front range is nothing. Yeah. Considering probably all the people around the lake, yeah. Well, when I was. In the thousands, probably. <laughs> when I was getting back from my camping trip on the 4th, I drove through Arvada, and there were thousands of people for that fireworks launch. Oh, and they, yeah. were, they were parked everywhere. There were people that were watching like a mile away from the King Supers parking lot and Ooh. from McDonald's and you know it was just a mess not that's just not where I want to watch a fireworks display did you no you're like yeah, you, can big, you can get a Big Mac while eating <laughs> I was like yeah I'm not gonna do this so, <laughs> so I went home and uh just uh chill just just hung out didn't watch fireworks this oh, time mainly it was because uh um, my girlfriend couldn't watch him because she had to work in the morning. So I pretty much spent time with her instead. So That's a good boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, fireworks are still only at like 10 p.m. though, right? Or is that still too late? Still too late. She goes to bed at 10. Oh. <laughs> That's solid. So any, so anyway, um, so, I, I mentioned a camping trip. Oh, man. Um, so yeah. I survived a hailstorm at 11,000 feet above sea level and so this particular thunderstorm was kind of interesting in that um if you looked at the radar you didn't really see much however where i was i mean it was the hail was coming down it was primarily just pea-sized hail but it was coming down in buckets (laughs) um were you under a pine tree we well, fortunately, it wasn't just one pine tree, or else I probably would have gotten struck by lightning. Yeah, you would but have died. there were a bunch of there were a bunch of trees that we were we were surrounding ourselves. That's still in. dangerous. So it was extremely dangerous situation. But luckily, during the hike, I looked up at the skies and I thought, "Oh man, we we have to turn around now, or else we're going to be in danger." Because we were hiking to an area that was very exposed, so we we made the right decision. Probably at exactly the right time and we were able to make it to some shelter before it got really intense so we hid under some trees 
while the pea-sized hail was falling on us and the heavy and the heavy rainfall because we probably got about an inch where we were. So combine that with all the hail that long? fell. It lasted, lasted about 30 to 45 minutes, <laughs> yeah. the entire event. So yeah, that should have looked pretty impressive on radar. It should have. But that that's just the thing. I mean, you're whenever the whenever the place you're located at is basically on the very outer edge of the radar scan. Yeah. I mean, you're going the where you're at, you're going to experience some uh, overshooting of the radar signal at at where you're at. So whenever if you looked at the radar, it obviously didn't look very impressive, but it could have very well been a severe thunderstorm that just goes undetected. Yeah. yeah. Simply because we're relying only on radar. So, yeah, just, just for the listeners, remember that the radar doesn't go straight out, right? It goes up at a, what, one half degree angle or something? Yeah. Half degree is the lowest angle mm-hmm. above ground level that it scans. And so, when you go far enough out, mm-hmm. eventually it's going to be higher. Yeah, it's you're going like to be higher and higher. Several miles up. Exactly. <laughs> Once you get the curvature of the Earth, too. Yes. That's probably more of a factor, maybe. Absolutely. I don't know. Half degree. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna make yeah. a huge, it's gonna make a huge difference though. And so what what you're seeing on the radar if you're down near Wolf Creek is you know perhaps the tops of the clouds and not necessarily the where the heaviest precipitation is falling. Which here in here in Denver and Boulder we have the benefit of being close to the radar, so we. Mm-hmm. are able to see better better uh, reflectivity and more accurate reflectivities from the radar yeah. itself. So, yeah, I guess what you I mean, I guess you wouldn't have much internet access if you're hiking, but I guess <laughs> if you had like LTE on the on a mountain, like if you had Verizon mm-hmm. or something. Right. <laughs> I guess you could look at like the satellite, the visible, yeah. and then see if there's like an overshooting right. overshooting mm-hmm. top maybe. Yeah. And that would give you some indication. Yeah, I think that would certainly Maybe. be one option or for just, sure. Yeah, I think some someone also mentioned to me um, it'd be it would be kind of cool if we uh, were able to expand the uh, the lightning mapping arrays, the the LMAs, which are basically this lightning network that are yeah. able to detect. I, I did a little research on those. Yeah, so we'd be able to detect where exactly these lightning strikes are occurring, and maybe we can issue severe warnings based on that. But they can do that now, right? I mean, they have lightning networks. Right. They don't have to be anywhere near them, right? Well, I'm not exactly sure how they work, but I... I know there's I one mean, in Seattle, and it can, like, cover this huge part of the country. Like, I, I think the... I think the... Uh, the outer the the extent of the lightning mapping array is is usually a couple hundred kilometers though i don't th- i don't think it's ten- it it would extend out for the entire state of colorado because we have one here in in the denver and boulder area but i don't think it would be able to detect the entire state and is that like huh. well, they have uh, satellites though right right but they they detect lightning right but maybe but, it's not like with, visibly. But maybe it's not enough. With visible time resolution, maybe it's not enough high res. Yeah, I mean, maybe? I don't that know. may be it. Interesting. This is new to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, you mentioned that Boulder and Denver are a lot better for the radar because they're closer. Mm-hmm. But Monday, 
Boulder actually had a bad radar situation. Mm-hmm. Do you remember on Monday when you there was like yeah. heavy rain in the afternoon? Okay. But yeah, there was like nothing on radar when I was going oh, home from work. Yeah, yeah. But it was like really shallow clouds that were probably under the radar, kind of the opposite. Yeah. So because there's a ridge tar between us and the radar. So it was already overshooting. Oh, the, the beam was already. I mean, it had to be, I guess, because it was pretty intense rain. I mean, it mm-hmm. wasn't heavy rain, but it was, you know, heavy to moderate to heavy. And there was basically nothing on radar. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I, was, I expected, you know, drizzle biking home, but it was really <laughs> fierce. Yeah. So that could be the opposite. If there's topography in the way, it'll block the signal completely. So we see that a lot mm-hmm. in Colorado. You can see the whole radar signal blocking out. Right. You think there should be a storm there, but you can't see around Long's Peak yeah. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> There's a storm behind Long's Peak, it's not going to see it. That's true. That Something true. like that. So, but yeah, the I don't know what you call that topography to our east. Uh, the Superior Ridge, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it's superior. Yeah. The Superior, oh, that's the Mesa they call it. I don't know what it's called though. The Mesa Ridge? No, just Mesa. Uh-huh. Well, they call it a Mesa, but I don't know what the name is. Mm-hmm. Rayesville right. Mesa. Yeah. That's pretty cool. But, so yeah, that that was a uh, that's a crazy story. You live to tell about it. Yeah, live to tell about it. Had, had a lightning strike probably hit less than a quarter mile away from us because I I heard the lightning. I heard the the thunder immediately after the strike occurred. So like a second. Oh, way less than that. I'd probably say a quarter of a second after the strike. Oh, that's really close. So to it me. was close to instantaneous. Whoa, that would be yeah. That would be less than like a tenth of a mile. Yeah, pretty it's like close. Half, it's like half a second per tenth of a mile or something. Wow. So you were probably wow. Yeah, yeah. It's five. It's five seconds per mile. So you could have got the uh, yeah the ground yeah. current. Yeah, perhaps. You could have been like, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> the perfect distance to get. Like, yeah. I get a little electrical massage. Yeah. <laughs> but, it was a surreal situation, and then once we. Once we uh, found uh, a, re- a relaxation in the thunderstorm, we decided to try and run for it while it was just raining and not necessarily hailing. And we basically were running with the flow of the pea-sized hail, which was flowing downhill <laughs> You're like, All right, with the, the water. <laughs> and uh, our girlfriend's stepdad basically slipped on some on some of this on one of the puddles with a bunch of this plowable hail mm-hmm. and fell on his butt and had to get back up. And so we, we were scrambling and it was rough. And certainly I would, I would, you know, call this one of those cases where it may have, may have been a possible plowable hail case. <laughs> should, you, should, where, you should tell Evan. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, we, because I mean, the hail, the hail was certainly flowing in, into areas where it was puddling up and accumulating, and it was probably accumulating a couple inches. So it was. We'll get some of that someday. Yeah, it's something I've always heard about and seen pictures of, but this was the first time actually experiencing it. In yeah, it's interesting. You were up such a high elevation. I know, that. and even even where my campsite was located, which was about ninety five hundred feet above sea level, we didn't get any hail there, or it had already melted. Mm-hmm. By the time we were there, dude, plowable hail wouldn't melt that fast. No, I wouldn't think so. So maybe there was some hail that fell, but it just melted. The plowable hail in Lyons from last month 
It like lasted to the next day. Yeah. Like overnight. <laughs> <laughs> From what I saw on Twitter. Imagine that. <laughs> but that was only like five inches of hail. Right. That's a bunch though. Yeah. <laughs> I'd take five inches. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't yeah. Haven't had much of your weather lately. No. No, yeah. not really. I mean we've had well we'll get we'll get to that I guess. But yeah. Exactly. But uh what else we do for the fourth of July? Yeah, I hosted a barbecue. Yeah, yeah. The that. day before the fourth of July. Yeah, how'd that go? <laughs> that was pretty fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We had uh, Mother Nature cooperated. Yeah, it didn't actually rain. Nice. <laughs> I was just like, as soon as you thought to schedule that outdoors, and Boom. there was like a 30 or 40% chance of rain that day or something, I think. Boom, a big low-pressure system comes <laughs> in. <and laughs> yeah. A big hurricane or something. Yeah, you scheduled that too far in advance. <laughs> yeah, because actually, it... It's only like a week ahead. Yeah, you gave, you gave weather a chance to respond to it. <laughs> because it, it rained for your graduation party, right? It oh, poured, man. yeah. Yeah, that would have... Yeah, graduation was a disaster. But, but 4th of July went off pretty well. Good. But, uh, yeah, so during the party, we had um, this, you know, Frisbee. Uh-huh. And uh, we were playing Frisbee. And my one friend, like, threw it t- towards me, but, like, it, like, rose and got higher and higher. Mm-hmm. And then, like, went to the tree. Yeah. <laughs> like, really high up the tree. Uh-oh. And so... They tried to, like, get it out for, like, maybe a half hour or something. Oh. <laughs> Throwing stuff up there. And, like, so eventually they, like, took apart my, like, ladder golf mm-hmm. set, which are, like, these PVC pipes or whatever. Yeah. And, like, connected them together to make this oh super goodness. long, like, hook or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, knocked it down. <laughs> well, it was pretty inventive. So, it was a success. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's nice. no, there was enough PhDs at the party. <laughs> you have to for a situation like that. They could probably get that out of the tree. <laughs> I was like, it is only $10 for that frisbee. <laughs> yeah, but it was a challenge. Everyone accepted the challenge. Yeah, it was good. And worked nice. together. But it was funny. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but, Ben, you hiked uh, in Golden? On, no, uh, Colorado um, Springs. Colorado Springs. Yeah, there's this thing called the Manitou Springs Incline, which is pretty crazy. I didn't look up the history on it, but for some reason, there's these, basically a whole one mile long section of railroad ties mm-hmm. going up the side of this mountain. That's an old railroad? Right at the base of Pikes Peak. It's right where the Pikes Peak Railroad starts. So it used to be a railroad? No, I, I think it was an incline. You know, one of those, you know what an incline is, right? No. It's basically like a little, it's a railroad that goes on the side of a mountain at a really steep angle. Mm-hmm. Oh. And the cart sits flat, but it gets pulled up. I don't oh, know. okay. Oh, okay. I see. I don't know. It's crazy. Yes, but I don't know if they used it for like tourism or mining or something. But right. I see those in the uh, like. Or just old Pikes Peak in the ca- In the caves they have them when, when you want to come out of the cave. Yeah, probably mm-hmm. something like that. Right. But either way, they're pretty cool. But yeah, they removed that, and just left was these railroad ties. It's crazy. Nice. Wow. And there was like a bunch of people there. It was like really crowded. Huh. And we got there too late, and there was like no parking. You have to ride a bus Jeez. to get there. And it was like 4th of July weekend, so it was super crowded, and there was a ton of tourists. Although, I guess it was like a two-hour drive from here, so maybe <laughs> I was a tourist. I don't know. <laughs> Never been there before, but it was cool. Cool. And it's a challenge. They say you're supposed to make it up there in under an hour, you're doing pretty good. 
Wow. I think we did it in like 40 minutes. <laughs> wow, that's pretty good, dude. And yeah. like, but... That's quick. But yeah, there was one girl that she... We were like part of the way up, and this girl passed us, went to the top, came back down, and then passed us again going up. She looked like... I don't know. Olympia? It's like Hulk. She was amazing. <laughs> she looked like Hulk. She was just like really fit, and she was crazy. She, yeah. must, she must live near there and do it like all the time. Well, what's the elevation game? Um, I think it's 2,200 feet in one mile. Wow. <laughs> That's you, insane. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Holy cow. It's like straight up. <laughs> it was rough. Basically, you'd walk like 50 or 50 steps and then pull over. Well, yeah. <laughs> and like getting some shade because it was like pure sun. It was really hot. But you start at like 6,600 feet and go up to like 8,800 80, maybe. Wow. Yeah, because the, the springs are already higher up in elevation, aren't they? Compared to Denver and Boulder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're above six. And Manitou Springs is a little ways up into the mountains. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah, 66, I think, starts out, but it's crazy. Yeah. I would recommend it if you want to kill yourself. But I see. It, it tells you you're not allowed <laughs> to have dogs. People had dogs. And it's dangerous because it's really steep. And if you fall, you're going down. <laughs> well, it's... well, you can't, like, stop yourself. I mean, certain spots you could, but like a lot of it, it would, you would just go, you just keep rolling. That's really comforting. Though. <laughs> so you're also not. It's kind of like a, it's an unwritten rule. You're not allowed to go down. This this thing, you have to take this four mile trail down. Oh, really? So you walk up this one mile steep thing and take this four mile like huh. normal hiking path down. Huh. But people were going down, and it was dangerous. And, like, no one was policing this. And there was dogs everywhere, like, running over, everyone, jumping on everybody. Oh. And there was, like, people vomiting. <laughs> that sounds dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Not only you're falling, you're rolling through vomit. Yeah. Like, and, like, squishing dogs. Someone, like, bumps in, bumps into you, then, like, boom, you're, you're going to fall down. Boom right? goes the dynamite. <laughs> yeah. But that was on, yeah, that was July 3rd. But, yeah, but then the Boulder fireworks. Did you guys hear what happened to the Boulder fireworks? You were telling me when I was in... No, I didn't hear about them. <laughs> so I was at, actually at home, kind of relaxing that night, uh, waiting for the Boulder fireworks to go off. Yeah. So you were able to see them from your place? Yeah. Okay. Well, in theory. <laughs> <laughs> but, so 9.30 came around, and all the fireworks across the plane started going off, and I was watching those. And there was like, they were everywhere. I could probably see like, Six or ten different firework displays. Oh my! And the best one was Denver, though. Downtown <laughs> Denver. It was the best. It, was, it had the best. I had the best view of that one. Let's say other ones were obscured by trees, buildings, whatever. But mm-hmm. but yeah, Denver was pretty good. But anyways, and I was like, oh, Boulder's was supposed to start at nine forty. You know, nine forty came around, nothing. Nine fifty, nothing. Ten o'clock, nothing. <laughs> and then, but yeah, all this time. So right around nine o'clock, it started getting really windy. Randomly, it was like the windiest time of like the last two months, or right. not the last two months, but maybe the last month, maybe. But we were getting gusts to thirty-five miles an hour, so I was like, "That's not good." They probably canceled them or something. <laughs> but oh, and before that, it was it was actually raining a lot too mm-hmm. across the plains. So there was kind of a bad turnout at the Folsom Field for the fireworks. It yeah. was already pretty much like a torrential downpour. <laughs> <laughs> like between like 8 and 9 maybe like 8pm to 9pm 
But then that cleared up, and everyone's like, oh, the fireworks are going to come. So they, got, they had hope, but then it got windy. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I think it was like an outflow or something. Yeah, from the mountains. If you said it was raining in the east, maybe the outflow went westward. Yeah, but it was westerly wind. Uh, it was weird. I don't know. I'm not sure what it was. Because there yeah. wasn't really many storms over the mountains. Right. But it was just kind of a weird downslope event. But anyways, there was, you know how they had, they had a whole bunch of helicopters flying around? I don't know. Boulder's the only town that does that. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like they are. Yeah. They had like three or four, you know, planes flying over the top of the stadium like i don't know what they were looking for just waiting for the wind to die down maybe but then finally the fireworks got off at like 10 after 10 oh okay and to my disappointment they were right behind this tree uh, i couldn't see any of them oh that's too bad <laughs> <laughs> there's like one tree that like i was like oh they're gonna be right there and then they then they were <laughs> so i couldn't see the fireworks in border but denver's were pretty good that's good. I could, I could see with binoculars. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty well. <laughs> I mean, it's 30 miles away, but yeah, I couldn't hear them. But there was like a 15-second delay between the fireworks and the sound. Oh, really? For Boulder. Of course. It was like three miles. Yeah. Three miles away. That makes and sense. I couldn't even hear Denver's <laughs> 30 miles away. Yeah, it's a little far. That wasn't, I wasn't hearing those, but they were, I could see them. That's good. But yeah, it was exciting. That sounds fun. Kind of a relaxing night. Didn't have to fight any traffic. Didn't have to hear any uh, screaming kids when they get their ears blown out. Yeah, true. But it was yeah. fun. Went to Folsom Field last yeah. year. We did. So yeah, got to experience that. But from the, from the pictures I saw, there wasn't much of a turnout at Folsom Field. Yeah. How about that? Not nearly as good as it was last year. I guess it was the rain. So did you guys hear about what? a couple um, NFL players who uh, had fireworks ac- accidents? No. Occur with amongst their families and actually themselves. Well, one one of the NFL players he plays for the Giants. His name is Jason Pierre-Paul. He, I he this basically he was handling a firework and I think it went off unexpectedly and it injured two of his fingers. He broke his thumb in the incident wow. and another one of his fingers he had to get amputated. Holy and so yeah. And, and it was a big deal because his team was basically in the middle of trying to offer him a big contract for, to keep him in a New York uniform and he and they had all, but they had already franchise tagged him which is basically a way of saying okay we're going to keep you for, for one year you're going to make this amount of money uh-huh. and you have to take that and you have to play for us for that one year but what they did after that fireworks incident is they took away the contract offer. <laughs> no way. So, because of this fireworks incident. So, pretty expensive hmm. mistake for him. And obviously, it cost him a finger, too. <laughs> wow. So, whoever whoever you are, whoever, if you if you mess with fireworks out there, please be safe when you're when you're handling them. Yeah. That's gonna you probably ruined it for everyone. It's gonna start being in the contracts. <laughs> no fireworks. I know. <laughs> Like Ben Roethlisberger had that motorcycle accident. Yeah, I know. And then now, I don't think he's. Allowed, I don't know if he's not allowed to ride his motorcycle, or he has to wear a helmet. Yeah, I'm not sure. I forget. It's part. Of, it's like in his contract. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> almost, yeah, but there was another player who had a millions. who had a similar similar incident. He injured two of his fingers, but I don't think they're seri- They're it's as serious as an amputation. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, so yeah crazy stuff. 
Well, that's why we have to go to Wyoming to get our fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> you hear all the commercials? Actually, no. On the radio? You have to go to like exit one on I-25? Oh, yeah. How yeah. about that? <laughs> I had no idea. They're like, find us at exit one. <laughs> it's a wow. the border. Yeah. Well, I, I, I suppose, you know, with... With all the the fire dangers that occurred a couple years back, I mean the the concern is always elevated here in Colorado. So I suppose that's somewhat understandable. Yeah. Yeah, there wasn't any canceled fireworks this year for fear yeah. of fires. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's a positive for sure. <laughs> all the mountain towns got the launch. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was I was surprised. It's like in SS Park, there's still people like just shooting them off randomly. Yeah, like up on hillsides. Right. I'm like, that's a little dangerous. Yeah, yeah. It's I would like say right so. near, right near like, all the trees. And I stuff. know. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess you really can't police it because there's just so much ground to cover. To right. To catch them. But just imagine if something did occur as a result of that. Yeah, not so early. Yeah. Well, pretty populated area. Yeah. Could turn out bad. Could. You never know. <laughs> Could have been trapped up there. I may mean, not have been able to get down. <laughs> right, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised Boulder was so cautious with the wind. I wonder if they were worried about fires or... Maybe the sparks, like... Just like... Yeah. Yeah, very true. Something like that, I guess. Yeah. Well, so, so with that, that yeah. <laughs> just a reminder, BoulderCast Podcast is a product of our website, which is bouldercast.com. And we provide expert weather discussions, if you haven't been on the site, um, specifically to Boulder County. Um, one of the main things we do is we give you a weekly forecast. So, you know, if you catch our site on Monday or Sunday, and you want the week ahead, you want to know what to wear for each day of the week, check out the website. Yep. And also, don't forget, when, when you are on the website, just be sure to uh, subscribe to our widget on the right-hand side of the, of the page following the blog if you want to receive email notifications for our posts and also our storm updates. So be sure to do that. Yes, and you can find this podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. Or you can click podcast at the top of the website. Yep. We're also on Facebook and Twitter, which the document just went away. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone. But, yeah, so... Here we go. going to talk to you first about what happened this past week, which is the week after the 4th of July weekend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Exactly. It's like the 6th through the 9th. <laughs> and then we'll go into next week's forecast basically looking into this upcoming weekend and early next week. And then we'll go into some weather in the news. Um, there's an update we have for the uh, tropical cyclone forecast for the Atlantic Ocean, and Matt will be telling you about that. Mm-hmm. So That's why we got him here. Yeah, he's our expert, um, hurricane expert. Yeah, well... I just uh, and I just wrote an article about this, so it will be posted on bouldercast.com shortly. So uh, be sure to stay tuned for that. 
and uh, I'm, it just basically goes over um, some of the factors of the inactive tropical Atlantic for this for so far this year and for the foreseeable future. So be sure you know. Also, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So if what you hear on the podcast makes you want to learn more, just check out the post when it gets when it gets on the website. So what happened this? What happened this past week, guys? A lot of rain, right? A lot of rain. We uh, record cold and, and record rain for one of the days, right? That's ben. right. <laughs> yeah, I've been tracking records. So we, went, we basically went from weekend nineties to record highs minimum the, high temperatures. <laughs> highs in the sixties, <laughs> which is yeah, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, it was actually dry since about the second week of June. Yeah. So we had mm-hmm. three solid weeks of nice weather. I know. Yeah. Got so it was, use, so it was nice to have that. But got to use our air conditioners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure they still work. Exactly. Yeah, I mean this week if you told me it was like April, I would have believed you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it was pretty cold. Yeah. So I work at like Noah, and like a few of the days, at least Monday and Tuesday. If you know you, if you can't see the foothills from Noah, which is basically right up against the foothills, you know it's going to be a cloudy day. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was mentioning earlier, did you, did you know there was a smoke advisory on Wednesday? No. Or Tuesday? No, it was yesterday. Yesterday morning. No, I didn't know. There was. What was that about? Do you know? From Canada again. Oh, okay. Actually, the we- yeah, the weather service. It was pulling up against the mountains again. Huh. So that was part of the reason why you weren't seeing the foothills. Right. Yeah. But I think the smoke advisory terminated in the morning. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it went through like Wednesday, Tuesday night or Wednesday night, Tuesday night into Wednesday. But yeah, that's I guess those Alberta fires still that we talked about a couple mm-hmm. like a month ago almost. Yeah, it's still burning, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, we just had pretty persistent upslope that came in after the cold front on Sunday. Yeah. And. And again, this is this is something that we are used to seeing, and whether it's in the form of snow or in the form of rain, but. Not you, so much in July. Not so much in July <laughs> at all. So, this is this is definitely. Um, new new for us to experience usually i mean many times in july we we experience the monsoon which we are we'll talk about in come coming up in a little bit but for us to receive upslope flow and that extreme of a temperature change from the weekend to the to monday and and after that is pretty significant and it's Obviously, not something we are used to here. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we had hey. we had a persistent easterly flow with just just modest precipitation. I mean, not, nothing extreme, nothing extremely heavy, but just very very persistent the entire following, time. Are you following the precipitable water values? <laughs> they were between one between one and one and a half inches. Yeah, that's, for the whole week. Right. So that was pretty moist air coming. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And from the low levels and the upper levels. Yeah, that's that's 
that's actually reaching the I, that's actually reaching like the 2013 Great Colorado Flood precipitable water levels. I would say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? I thought it was like close to two. Yeah. Maybe close. Oh, Didn't yeah. close. I guess yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. There's a big difference between one. And a half and two. Yeah, there <laughs> well, is for sure. Two would be crazy. I mean, two is yeah, it's nuts for sure. But like right now, we're hovering around one. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's pretty typical for July. Yeah, very true. Yeah. Zero point nine to mm-hmm. one point one or so. But, right. But yeah, it was, this week's been way above normal. Yeah. Our dew points at the surface were mid to upper 50s oh, most of the week that's incredible <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw some low 60s yeah, one, really? one, one morning or something like that yeah. I don't know if it was the weather station we have on Bouldercast now could be should probably mention that now we have actually uh... no I mentioned that last time oh you did okay yeah I think yes <laughs> maybe not I don't know but but yes so we had that on Monday so initially, the forecasts were showing for this. The models were indicating that the, uh, you know, the upslope would end pretty much sometime Tuesday, but it didn't seem like it ended until this morning. Yeah. Here we are on Thursday. Exactly. So pretty and much. We're finally starting to see a change in the pattern, but even even still, we we still saw some more rain today, and it was. It was kind. Of, it was. It was kind of similar, except we we did we did hear some rumbles of thunder as well. So, yeah. Well, I mean, we kind of slowly went away from the foggy conditions in the morning mm-hmm. and got a little more sunshine. Yeah. And then that, I guess, produced some instability and got some more rainfall. Right. Yeah, we noticed over the last, I think, all week besides Monday, all the mountain regions were actually sunny. And above the upslope. Mm-hmm. So the, the cold front wasn't quite reaching up there. So they had a lot of afternoon storms. Yeah. <laughs> which mm-hmm. kind of rolled over our way. Oh, uh, um, yeah. Okay. But especially today. Right. There, there was nothing but sun mm-hmm. up above. Wow. And outdoor and things. But yeah. Yeah, so I don't know what the totals for the mountain were, but I'm, they might have mm-hmm. got more yeah. than us probably mm-hmm. through the week. Even though in Boulder, we're already up to close... I would say near two inches for the month. And what's our average for the for this month usually? So the July typical average for the whole month in July would be around one point eight inches. Oh wow! So we're already above that. <laughs> <laughs> and we still have two thirds of the month to go. <laughs> yes. This is kind of like where we are and where we were in May, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. And that was Monday. We broke the we broke the daily rainfall record. <laughs> which was a, a meter, I think, 0.26 inches. Oh, wow. <laughs> Not much. But, yeah, we got 0.48. Did we so, reach the record um, record low high temperature one of the days? So we're still not certain on that. As the official site at NOAA hasn't updated, but at least at BoulderCast, we tied the record. <laughs> if we consider that. It was 67 degrees... Yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, Wednesday, July eighth. What was the record? Sixty-seven. Oh, okay. So yeah, we, but the other two days we were just a little bit too warm on Monday and Tuesday. But yeah, three straight days in the sixties. <laughs> the high on Monday was sixty-four. 
But the record was 62. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> the record low high. <laughs> man, that's, that's chilly for this time of the year. But you remember the high on Sunday was 94. That's right. So mm-hmm. 30 degree drop. Had a nice cold front move through. Bring, drop our temperatures quite a bit. That's a potent cold front for July. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so what is our average high like right now? Like low 80s? Mm, I'd say 85. Oh, okay. Already 85. Denver, I think it's 89. Yeah. Hmm. So we're probably a couple of degrees lower than that. Right, Maybe exactly. 86 here. Usually it's a little bit warmer in Denver than it is in Boulder. Yeah. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I, guess, I guess that would make sense because then it's up to a 20 degree where you get your extremes, I guess. Mm-hmm. Plus or minus 20. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. 30. That's <laughs> a lot. We were 25, the year. 25 yeah. degrees below average. Mm-hmm. 30 degrees Fahrenheit. I mean, I, I expect that in November, you know, on any any day. But in, in July, I mean, you really, I mean, you don't see that many cold fronts move through this area in July. I mean, but this is certainly a different kind of different year that we're seeing, where where the weather patterns seem yeah. to be a little bit different mm-hmm. than they are in previous years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we finally got maybe a real El Nino. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Starting to look like it now. So, yeah, definitely definitely uh, anomalously warmer temperatures out in the equatorial Pacific. And so some, 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 of, that, some of that moisture associated with those warmer water temperatures are, is probably making its way up here and off the... Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to work on coming up with some data for that. Nice. Correlating the boulder uh, precip and temperatures in the summer. Oh, cool. With the El Nino yeah. index. But basically, the it's a slight increase from what I can tell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. So that's probably what you thought. Probably related to that. You know, it really enhances the monsoon slightly. I would say so. Particularly yeah. for southern Colorado. Mm-hmm. But northeast mm-hmm. Colorado gets a little added benefit. I would, I would yeah. That would make a lot of sense. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. I'll take them up with some good plots. <laughs> nice. I keep saying I'm going to do it, but I keep putting it off. <laughs> but we'll get it done. Yeah. yeah. But, so what do you think kept that upslope going all week? Because the models totally were out to launch this week. Yeah. Because they were, we, were, we were out by more than 10 degrees. And the model consensus and Moss was even warmer, so the statistical models were... Statistical interpretation was even... More off. Yeah. <laughs> I think there was just... Do you have an idea? Was, I didn't. Was the, was the pressure gradient really weak to where like it couldn't push that air mass out of the area until like today? Like was it just kind of like stagnant and just kind of like sitting there? And then another band of rain, like you said, over the mountains would drift east and then it would fall and then... It would make more low-level clouds, and yeah, and it just kept reinforcing itself. Like a feedback every day. Feedback, maybe I don't know, because like it didn't ever seem windy every day. It was just like a light wind. Yeah, it was dead. Well, how 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 are the winds whenever the cold front passed through, like immediately afterwards? Because how are we? I mean, the question is, how are we going to get from ninety-four one day to? You know, sixty four the next. I mean, that's. I mean, 
somehow somehow that air needs to be infected our our way from from the warm regime to to the extreme cold regime so some yeah certainly some something was going on there to to initially bring obviously bring that cold air our way and then somehow keep it in our neighborhood throughout much of the week so the so really the question is what like you guys said what what caused mm-hmm. it to stick around i think there was just maybe a stronger high over the plains right that's a lot of what causes our cold fronts are those high high mm-hmm. pressure over the plains right right mm-hmm. that wraps around that easterly winds right so may so perhaps after the initial surge we like andy said the pressure gradient just relaxed and we we just simply couldn't move that air mass anywhere and so it just it just stuck pretty much stayed up right over us for for much of the week i guess yeah so yeah that would be my guess i'm not sure what else because you have to <laughs> to kick the air mass out you need some kind of westerly flow at least downslope or something. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And all and also with Front. the with the cloud coverage that we have in the area, that's gonna that's also gonna keep our temperatures cooler. Mm-hmm. So if, when when you fat when you factor that in, you factor in the east really flow, we're getting less solar radiation to, to heat us up. I mean I suppose may, those are potential reasons but for the models to be that off is very interesting yeah i mean they didn't see this at all really right because i was doing the week ahead and <laughs> there's good consensus that we'd be under some downslope conditions mm-hmm. from you know the latter part of tuesday through the rest of the week right and with, he, with afternoon storms yeah. but and yeah. even if you look at you know if you looked at the synoptic picture over over our region and you know ambient states it it appeared as though we we were going to be in that in that in that situation with those afternoon storms we should we were it looked like we were going to get some downslope but just it didn't happen i mean i wonder yeah i wonder if there's more moisture than they thought there was going to be because they the models did pick up there would be cold air lingering through the week Mm-hmm. You know, they had 60s on Mondays and low 70s on Tuesday and then mid-70s and then, so, hmm. but not to the extent that we got. Right. And that didn't help that it was raining, or at least misting almost constantly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I just... Do you think some of the the aerosols from the, from the fires aided more, like, more, like... Cloud condensation nuclei. I mean, it's certainly not going to hurt them. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if that's anything, a good point. Yeah. If anything, it might inhibit precipitation a little. Yeah, you think that's by maybe making why, more yeah. cloud droplets. Yeah. And you think that's maybe why the clouds stuck around longer, just like it just lingered there. Right. Mm-hmm. Could but have, just didn't could rain. Have played a role. That's a yeah. good point. Mm-hmm. But that smoke advisory did, was well timed. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't see what the weather service thought about it. I was I've been paying attention to them. You can look at the previous uh, discussions, but yeah, uh, I haven't looked at them. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what they had to say for like 
Tuesday night and the yeah. Wednesday. Whenever you brought up, whenever you just brought up that, I couldn't help but think back to our to my uh, clouds and aerosols class. Whenever we talk <laughs> about okay, what kind of what kind of aerosols are more efficient precipitators? And I, if I remember correctly, more polluted aerosols are less efficient precipitators, yeah. but better at producing cloud coverage. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because they shrink the size distribution. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Whereas the whereas the less polluted aerosols do just the opposite of that. So like sea salt. Exactly, like and sea salt. Things like that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So cer- certainly something that. You know, we might, we may, I mean, we may have had to consider that the model probably just didn't pick up on. Yeah, I don't think the models would have any. Yeah, no, smoke. probably no guidance there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it was Very an interesting true. week. Yeah. yeah. To say the least, for the middle of July. It, was it, it happens, though. I mean. It was kind of welcomed. Yeah. After that heat we yeah. had. Yeah, it was nice. We had, I don't know, maybe... 15, 90 degree days already? Yeah. No, maybe 10. Maybe 15. But, yeah, it's good. Yeah, we'll have to check back at the archives for that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well? So what do we think about the week ahead? Oh, man. It actually looks looks nicer. Yeah, we have some good news. Starting to warm up a little bit. That's certainly welcome, I, I would say. Yeah. It looks like... Tomorrow, which will be Friday, <clears throat> we'll probably see some scattered storms in the mountains, and then more isolated in the afternoon, mm-hmm. or isolated storms in the afternoon for for Boulder. Right. Um, we're gonna get sort of a downslope condition mm-hmm. trying to set up, which should help and push this air mass right out of the way, at yeah. least into Kansas. Well, yeah, I think today was a big transitional day. Yeah. Should we start to tap into the monsoon, would you say? I think so. Okay. Next week. I think we've already been tapping into the monsoon in some sense. Yeah. Not a, not a true monsoon, but yeah, I think it'd be it's going to be in full force once we get here through this weekend. Right. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But But yeah, it looks like a nice weekend for going hiking and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be the best weekend in all. Well, Last weekend was decent. It was good. Yeah, it was good. This weekend will be really nice. Yeah, definitely. Saturday will be almost, you know, bone dry. (laughs) Across Mm -hmm. even the mountain regions, I would say. Yeah, yeah. So we have like an upper level ridge that's right now south of us, I believe. Mm -hmm. That's going to kind of... It's over like Texas. Texas, okay. It's coming in from the southeast. It's going to kind of move... Over Colorado, I guess. Yeah. Tomorrow and Saturday. New Mexico, Colorado, yeah. And, yeah, we'll be building. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, that will push, you know, we'll be more in the center of that high. Right. At 500, and that will be pushing the monsoon moisture to our west. Right. And western Colorado, southern Utah, and Arizona will be getting the full full effects of that more than us. Mm -hmm. So we'll be drying out for at least a day. Yeah. Until, until until next the ridge, week. <laughs> until the ridge gets beat down. Exactly. <laughs> but it was who knows. Yeah. So at least like looks like we'll reach nineties again eventually, early next week. Mm-hmm. I think Sunday is a good chance. Sunday. But 
who knows with the moisture feedback, like we said, there might right. be increased cloud cover, just more laden. Yeah, it's just tough to say. But mm-hmm. definitely Saturday and Sunday should be upper 80s, yeah. I would think. Yeah. It looks it looks dry for much of the state on Saturday, actually, like even in the high country. Yeah. So if you're going to hike a 14er, it's a good weekend. To it might it. be the best day to do it in a while. And it looks like much of the snow up in the in the at the peaks of the 14ers is, has melted for the most part. So really? it would be probably the best opportunity yet to hike a 14er. Yeah, I think you're right. Cause, yeah. Mm-hmm. No storms. Yeah. Snow's gone. Yeah. When <laughs> when I was when I was driving back from uh from Wolf Creek or just outside of Wolf Creek, of course mm-hmm. you whenever you. Whenever you drive from South Central Colorado to get here to the Front Range, you are passing through a bunch of 14ers, so you get to see yeah. a bunch of them, and I didn't see much snow up there, so. Did you come up past Copper? Uh, no, no, so we... Or past Leadville? We actually did not. Oh. We, we pretty much bypassed there. We, we made our way through uh, Buena Vista, and... Uh, and fair play. So, okay. we, so we were. Most of our ride was actually on Highway 285, and we made our way north from there. After we took a little okay. trip eastward from uh, from Wolf Creek and Creed, and then made a left turn to stay on 285 for pretty much the rest of the way. Okay. So, you gotta watch out for the north side. Of, yeah. the, of the mountain. That's true. It always has the snow. That lasts yeah, that's very a, true. A few so, weeks longer. Yeah. <laughs> so certainly it's tough to say there, but... I, I agree, though. Yeah, it's a good time to, to go up there. Mm-hmm. It's about the time, usually. It's usually mid to late July when yeah. mm-hmm. your 14-year season kicks in. Right. And if you and if you get a day where it is bone dry, like we're anticipating on Saturday, then certainly hiking a 14-year would be, you know, be the best opportunity to do that. Yeah, it becomes much safer. It does. And you can be a little more flexible about about your schedule and what time you want to start the hike. So by the time you get up to the top to the peak of the 14 or you don't have to worry about lightning. So, that's Yeah. And yeah. certainly we had an incident like that that occurred a few weeks back. Yeah. People were hiking Mount Bierstadt, mm-hmm. and they, they, on what usually would be a safe time to start the hike, which was around, I think they said, 3 to 4 a.m. in the morning, they made their way to the peak of the mountain by 11.30, almost, almost noon, I would what? say, if I recall, and that's when the storm began. That's a really short hike, though. Yeah. I mean, it well, should, they it may take eight hours to get to the top. Pierce, that's really easy. But yeah, but yeah, it was it was like eleven a.m. right? Yeah, I think so. Something when the like lightning that. struck. I can't remember exactly when they started, but I I do remember that they got to the peak around eleven before noon. So did you ever do Beerstat? No, I haven't done Beerstat. So that was my first fourteener. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How long did it take you? I don't know. Probably like. Four or five hours from maybe three, round trip, maybe three to four hours total. No, uh, one way. Really? Oh, maybe. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. Yeah, I'm maybe. not really sure. Huh. I think it's only a maybe two six mile hike. Oh, maybe like two hours. And you up. start at like eleven something. 
Yeah. Okay, so you already have a head start. I think it's 2,500 feet of elevation gain. Yeah. Or 2,800. Yeah, it's not bad. And, mm. yeah. Maybe it took us six hours total. But, yeah, it's not something you'd want to get up early for. Maybe they're a tourist. Probably. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, if you <laughs> want to get parking. Yeah, <laughs> you have to get there before 7 if you yeah. want to get a parking spot. You're right, right. It's the, most, <laughs> it's the easiest 14er, they say. Yeah. Is it really? I think. Is it... It's, I mean, it's class two. It's it's only like six or so miles. Is it even easier than uh, Grays and Tories? It's definitely easier to get to with the car. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's right on the Guanella Pass or Georgetown. Right, right near Georgetown. Yeah. Whatever that pass is. Guanella, I think. Nice. But yeah. It's yeah, real easy, just super yeah. crowded. Yeah. It's just, I mean, I guess a lot of the 14ers are, but... Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I've only done two, but it's... Gotta do another one. This summer, man, this summer. This summer. September. Yeah. August. July. <laughs> I know. But yeah, yeah but you had that lightning. They yeah. said this, it's just this storm cloud built right on top of the peak. Pretty much, and they said... Yeah, they said that... Uh, you know, this group of people, they were all there. They, they, you know, the clouds pretty much caught them off guard. And the storm pretty much started when, you know, shortly after they reached the peak. And they were pretty much running down at that point. And this one, this there was this, uh, this guy and, and his dog. And basically, this guy was basically asking this dog to come over his way and... Immediately, whenever the dog and this guy were trying to kneel down into a better position to avoid lightning, they got struck and they and they basically shared the charge, and the dog passed away, hmm. and the man survived. And they basically said that if if the man took the entire charge, he probably wouldn't have made it. Really? So so, so essentially, the dog saved his life, which hmm. is. Is, it's pretty it's an interesting story to say the least you think that's really true though that's what they said i mean that that's that's <laughs> based they... on it's based on multiple sources i read i think even nine news was broadcasting this I just don't so. know they're trying to make it more dramatic perhaps they are make it but... a more interesting news story but i mean yeah. i mean if the guy was like completely unharmed i would say he was unharmed i mean he I mean, from what they said, he ch- he did share the charge with the dog. So yeah, I think there was one person in critical condition. Yeah, was it him? I guess. <laughs> I'm that I can't remember. And like but, eight other people that were like yeah, frazzled but fine. Yeah, <laughs> well, I don't know how, but yeah, but that can you know we've all been there. Yeah, on top of I don't know we've been on top of some big peaks with Clouds. lightning yeah. flashing. How did you guys react to that? Usually just go down, you know, turn, <laughs> yeah. turn around. And what else can you do? <laughs> it's Instead never of, been that close. Right. Instead of turn around, don't drown, it's just turn around, go down. Go down, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I remember some lightning the first time we did Audubon. Yeah, it was and like in the... We dist- were doing yeah. Flora with your brother. I think there was lightning and some grapple. Yep. And Bear Peak, we definitely in the lightning storm. Oh, man. But that wasn't there. above tree line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we were above tree line before. But yeah, it's dangerous. You don't think about it. It is. And, you know, a storm could pop up anywhere. 
mm-hmm. in the high country. You have to be careful out here. I mean, you have to you have to take that extra precaution. Look at look at the weather forecast. Be absolutely sure that you won't see a thunderstorm whenever yeah. you are making the ascent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think anyone does that. Right. Like we were in the Tetons, and there was there was a lightning storm there. Mm-hmm. That's another story. But we were in you know yeah. way below tree line. We were like so eight thousand feet or something, yeah. and we were like going out of the trail and there was still people going up yeah <laughs> we were passing tons of people that were like oh this is cool right they're yeah, just yeah. they're just looking up and they're just like plowing heading down this 10 mile trail and oh my starting at noon they're kids too kids, <laughs> right. like, kids yeah. going with them and everything it's like hmm. wow people are just i don't know but yeah yes. lightning is the what the number one mother nature killer i think second to oh flash floods to flash floods or just floods in general? I think. Yeah. And tornadoes are way down the list. <laughs> no, I would, yeah, I would say so. Get all the hype, but they're... Tornadoes, hurricanes, they're... Yeah. Yeah. They may, they may be, you know, flashy and impressive, but in the, in the end, they're not the biggest killers. Yeah. I mean, one thing you can do is if you're, like, hiking up and you look in the clouds, or you look at the sky and you see, like, puffy clouds kind of, like, building... That'd probably be a sign you'd want to turn around. Mm-hmm. But I mean, of course, none of us usually do that. We don't follow those. <laughs> we look. And you can, you know, they start out looking fluffy, then they start looking more ominous. Yeah. They get it's... taller. You look for vertical development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, Always know... starts with fair weather cumulus, doesn't oh. it? <laughs> <laughs> like cotton balls. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and the next thing you know, <laughs> boom! You have a monster headed your way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, quick question. You guys think that the fact that you think Colorado as a general in general downplays the danger of lightning in any way? Or the danger of hiking? It's a good question. Like there's they really it's really hard to like find out how many people get struck by lightning on mountains and how many people get lost right and die. And, like, fall to their death on Long's Peak. Can you find it out on, like, other mountains in other states? I don't know. Like, in the Appalachians? I just remember that one time I was talking to that search and rescue guy um, that said, basically, they lost... I forget how many people. He said he had a... He had a... He had a pool... He said he had a pool full four people off Mount Evans or something. Oh, my. I don't know if they were... I can't remember if they were... Dead? I think they were dead, oh, or something like that. But it was just surprising, like you don't hear anything about that, right? But like the search and rescue guys telling you all the stuff you had to do in just that one summer. Oh no, that was the winter we were there. Oh no, that was summer. That was August. Hmm. I was talking to this guy, but yeah, I don't know. Do you think they like downplay things? Like I think Boulder downplays bicycle accidents because <laughs> they don't want it to seem. It's dangerous that it is. Right. I don't know, though. But I look, you can look up all the boulder accidents. Yeah. It's a tough question. I mean, I... It's... It, I mean, I. it's a tough one to answer. I, I, I don't really know, to be honest with you. I remember one time we were driving near Mount Evans, and there was just this bicyclist that was just massacred on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. And there was like... Remember that? The what thing? The bicyclist. 
It was like destroyed. They got destroyed on Mount Evans. Yeah. And then, like, we looked it up on the news, like, Googled everything, couldn't, couldn't find anything about this guy. Oh, yeah. And it was just, like, completely, like, hidden. I don't know. Like, the media was, like, never alerted. Mm-hmm. Like, they, like, I don't know, paid him off. You know, it, it seems, it, that does seem to happen more often, more often than not, where, so last summer, whenever I was driving from North Platte back here to the Front Range, I was... We were driving through Sterling, and the temperatures on that day were just insanely hot. It was, I think we reached 110 out in Sterling on oh. that day. And while we were driving through through that town, we, were, we noticed two car accidents. One of them was, was basically, a, you know, an incident where one car ran into the, the back of another car, uh-huh. And accordion her own car, and then there was a separate incident, which perhaps was related to the other one because people were rubbernecking to, mm. to the accident ahead, and they mm-hmm. basically their car was on the side of the road fried, wow, just like fried to the crisp on the side of the road, which is just something I you know you probably don't see that often, but I don't know maybe. Maybe the accidents were as a result of the heat. But anyway, uh-huh. I, I tried to look this up online, and there was no records. <laughs> you like Sterling car accident? I, yeah, I figure a, you know, a, you know, a car that's burnt to the crisp would be you know, a highlight on the news or something, but there was mm-hmm. nothing on it, and I was shocked. Yeah, was, I don't know what it is. Oh, a few years ago, that was that one biker on huh. Belmont that got... That died. Mm-hmm. That was near um, 63rd in Belmont. Yeah. I always think it was like a big truck that came out and just didn't see the car. Didn't, yeah. Or didn't yeah. see the biker. Yeah. The truck was turning left, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Their early morning hours when the sun's like, you know, hard to see. Yeah. It probably glare. Right. But, but yeah, yeah, I remember hearing that one on the news. Yeah, I heard that one. But like, I don't know. Maybe there's some something going on. I mean, a lot of this stuff's tourism. Yeah. You don't want to scare people away from climbing your mountains. Right. Coming to your state and spending their money. That's true. And biking here, that's a big thing too. Yeah. I don't know. You know, well, I think it's, I mean, you could, I mean, with lightning, they definitely alert people, but still people don't listen, so... I don't know how much it would actually help. Right. <laughs> People are going to want to do it if they want to die or not, I guess. <laughs> right. And, you know, it's, you know, here, here at BoulderCast, our, our thoughts and prayers do certainly go out to the, the friends and families of those that do lose, you know, family members mm-hmm. from these tragic incidents. Yeah. But, it, and, you know, it's just... It's some. It sometimes is very striking to see how things just aren't covered in in the news that or or yeah. online or what whatever media source it is that is responsible for this documentation. It's just crazy to see that sometimes it goes unrecorded. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like a couple back in May, there was some kind of famous Olympian in Boulder or something mm-hmm. and he was hiking Bear Peak and, at the, and it was raining that day or something mm-hmm. and he was at the very top 
and if you're familiar with the top of Bear Peak, it's pretty dangerous. Right. And he slipped and fell one of these on one of the wet rocks and like fell really far. Right. And I don't know what happened to him. I don't know if he died or what, but I know that wasn't really well populated. Did right. you hear about that? No, I didn't. No. I only heard about it on Reddit. Right. <laughs> there was people that were up there that were, you know, taking pictures and posting them online, but I don't know. And I've I've hiked Bear Peak. I don't a, think he died, but oh, yeah. Oh, really? I'm not sure, actually, but... <laughs> yeah. Well, I've, I've hiked Bear Peak, and before we reached the top, we were hit with a thunderstorm, which eventually ended up moving over the plains and producing a tornado, but... <laughs> Besides the point, we wow. were over. Yeah, we were hiking in a thunderstorm, and once we decided we needed to turn around, and go downhill, it was pretty scary in some portions. I was, I was taking my time going down the mountain. It's, in a thunderstorm. In the thunderstorm, I mean, the rain the raindrops were were pretty large, mm-hmm. so I was I was being pretty careful. I wouldn't be too worried if you were in like Shadow Canyon. Or Fern Can- one of the canyons. Mm-hmm. There's lightning. Unless it was like a flash flood or something like that. Yeah. Because that canyon gets pretty steep. Yeah. And all that water would go gushing down. Right. The, yeah. The canyon. Mm-hmm. That's true. And luck- luckily, I had some, I had some pretty good hiking shoes on, so. I wasn't too concerned about grip, but you know, there's always that concern in the back of your mind that the worst case scenario is going to happen. So, at least for me, it, I, I feel that way. So, yeah. So, uh, so but yeah. yeah. So the week ahead. Yeah. So Saturday looks. Back to that. The best day. Uh, Saturday looks great. Sunday also looks pretty good, but there like, may be some yeah. storms returning. To the high mm-hmm. country. Very isolated in the mountains, but yeah. those could be the dangerous days. Right. When yeah. you get a little more comfortable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it looks like that ridge of high pressure then moves a little more to the south. Mm-hmm. As opposed to being over Colorado on Saturday and Sunday. And that will mean that the upper level flow will be more from the west-southwest. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which will bring in some of that monsoon moisture back. Yeah, we saw it. Just like the doors opening. What exactly? <laughs> the atmospheric river of sorts. <laughs> so, what that'll mean is that you'll get storms developing in the high country, and then in the afternoon hours, it'll drift eastward into Boulder and the plains, and they'll probably be isolated in, in the afternoon. Right. On Sunday. During the next next week. Oh yeah, next week. Yeah, Sunday, which should be dry in Boulder. I'm thinking. Yeah, I would think both days would be great in Boulder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, but yeah, 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 but that moisture comes back next week. So depending on exactly how that sets up, it could be you know isolated or even more yeah. over the plains. But the mountains probably scattered. Yeah. Every day, yeah. some days worse than other. Yeah, definitely. It looked like Tuesday and Wednesday might have been pretty wet, but yeah, yeah. But the good news is the weekend's good and you're back to work. It can rain. <laughs> for most, for we most won't work. mind because we'll be in our offices yeah. anyway. <laughs> yep. Um, but it's nice to ride, ride your bike to work. It is nice. But yeah. when I start seeing forty or fifty percent chance of rain, I start questioning. I take the bus. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, it's disappointing. 
but still convenient. Yeah. So, but yeah, the monsoon. Here we are in July. Yep. It's typical, you know, almost the middle of July at this point. Yep. Sadly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's it's almost always the monsoon in the middle of July. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Nothing yeah. unexpected here. Yeah. And yeah. and yeah. with and with El Nino on the horizon, bringing in some more warm warm moisture coming coming from the from the Pacific. Perhaps the the rainfall that we're getting is perhaps a little bit more enhanced because of the amount of the amount of moisture in our atmosphere, as opposed to previous summers. So, something to keep in mind. I mean, we've all we're we're in the still in the first third of the month, and already we've exceeded our monthly average for the month of July. So, more to come, likely. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. It actually goes into a, I mean, a good lead-in if we have before we have anything else left to talk about. Yeah, the upcoming week, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just think one more thing about the temperatures, upper eighties this weekend. That next week, maybe cools down slightly. Yeah, maybe. Well, maybe. I don't know. With more moisture around and more cloud cover and storms, you know, it might be tough to get back into the nineties. But who knows? Who knows? Yeah. And this will probably persist through the middle of next week. Would you say? What's that? Um, the this, rain? Yeah, the rain and the temperatures cooling off. Yeah, it looks like it. As that ridge moves back down and we get more southwesterly flow with the moisture. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Depends where the storms form and where they move. That's but that all. monsoon. I don't see, Absolutely. I don't see any records any, either way. Any record highs, any record low highs. So Just typical, <laughs> typical week in July. Kind of yeah. like 80s, probably, most of the days. Much different than this week. Yeah. <laughs> kind of welcoming yeah. at this point. All right. Yeah, so... We can lead into Matt's great outlook here for the tropical Atlantic. Yeah, absolutely. So He's been thinking about that a lot. So, I've, been, so I've grown up... I, I spent most of my, my time in Alabama, and so pretty much every single summer since... Since I remember, I was always, you know, at least somewhat concerned about tropical activity. And so I've, I've had some experience with these things. I've lived through some of the strongest hurricanes that we've, that we've ever seen in, in, the, uh, in the tropical Atlantic, which include... And when I say tropical Atlantic, I'm, I'm talking about the Atlantic Ocean, the Caribbean Sea the Gulf of Mexico, the Bay of Campeche. And so that's what we're talking about here. We're not just talking about the Atlantic Ocean waters. So just just moving forward, just know that. But but looking at the tropical update for for the Atlant- for the tropical Atlantic this summer, notice that you probably noticed that we haven't had that much activity. We had a Storm named Anna, Anna early in the season, I think back in May, maybe even April. And then we had another storm named Bill, which made landfall into Texas, which was kind of welcoming for us because it, mm-hmm. it produced this really potent ridge over us and gave us some really hot temperatures So for, <laughs> for about a one-week period. But When was that? And that... If I remember correctly, that that was uh, about a month ago, really, in the month yeah. of June. Like early so to mid June. Yeah. yeah. So normally that it, ended our 
moist period, really. Right, it did. It, Thank it, you, Bill. It developed this potent ridge, so say thanks to Tropical Storm Bill, everyone in Colorado. <laughs> anyway. This is how the Atlantic can actually impact us here in Colorado. Exactly. So That's why we care. So with that in mind, we've only had two named storms up to this point, which, you know, in most seasons, that may actually be normal. I mean, mm-hmm. even in an active year, we usually get off to a slow start in the months of June, July. And then once we get into August, we start to see some more activity out in the Atlantic Ocean. And the peak of the season occurs on September 12th mm-hmm. of, of every single year. And then it trickles down from there. But usually, usually the hurricane season can prevail through October and November. And the official end of the season is November 30th. Well, basically, up to this point, we've seen two named storms, and we haven't really seen much of any sort of activity for nearly the past month. Now, the question is, why exactly is that? Now, why there, is that, man? There, there's, a few, there's, a few, there's a few factors that are playing a role here. One, the... The sea surface temperatures in the Atlantic, Gulf of Mexico, and Caribbean Sea have been anomalously cool so far this year. Usually in the Gulf of Mexico, by this time, our temperatures are into the low 90s, sometimes even the mid-90s. As a matter of fact, when Katrina made landfall, the reason why it strengthened so much is because it had deep, warm waters that were in the middle 90s. And so it during that time that it was over these waters, it went from being a Category 1 hurricane, which is a minimal hurricane, to a Category 5, mm-hmm. which is the highest that you can get on the, on the Saffir-Simpson scale. And so it rapidly intensified as a result of this warm water and also ambient conditions that were also favorable for strengthening. And so, and this year, we haven't seen that. We've seen very, very cool sea surface temperatures all across the tropical Atlantic. So that's one factor that's playing a role. Another, yeah. another factor that's pl- playing a role is the, is the positioning of the Bermuda High and how widespread the Bermuda High is. Many, so the Bermuda High is this area of high pressure that usually forms over the... The, uh, the Atlantic Ocean and essentially shifts in, in its trajectory all throughout the season depending on weather patterns, where the positioning of troughs are, yeah. so on and so forth. And so right now the, the Bermuda High is positioned from northeast to southwest over the Atlantic Ocean and what the, and what that is doing is it's producing a lot of dry stable air for the south the uh, the northern portion of the southwest Atlantic Ocean. So basically, we're talking we're still talking about the northern hemisphere, mm-hmm. so the northern half of the Atlantic Ocean, and we're talking about the southwestern portion of the ocean. And okay. so we have a lot of dry air that's very stable, which is which is prohibiting any sort of vertical motion from occurring which is pretty much shutting down any sort of convection. So no thunderstorm activity. And so, and the Bermuda high has a huge role in this. Now, Qu- question about, sure. question about that. So 
since we're sort of like in a El Nino developing season, mm-hmm. is that the is that like position of the Bermuda High somehow connected to the wave train of anomalous low pressure over the Pacific? Well, we haven't we haven't really seen the uh, the upper level winds, which are are usually enhanced by El Nino mm-hmm. and the warm water temperatures. We haven't we haven't quite seen that translate over into the uh, the tropical Atlantic just yet, and where it had and where it has um, been where it has occurred up to this point, it's really been all over the the Gulf of Mexico. Mm-hmm. But what we what we should start to see as the season progresses is for these upper level winds to start moving over into the into the tropical Atlantic, and should start to see more more activity in terms of wind, in terms of stronger upper level winds which are another which, which is another factor that can limit the amount of tropical activity that we see because tropical cyclones in order for them to thrive they need to be vertically stacked because they they thrive on the constant on the constant fuel that known as latent heat that they receive mm-hmm. from the water from the warm waters below. So they need very warm waters. That water needs to be deep, and they also need to be vertically stacked. So what upper lo- what these upper level winds do is they basically shear off and they start and they'll slant the tropical cyclone, which is a weakening factor for the storm. Mm-hmm. And so what we'll start to see as the season progresses. Mm-hmm is for this, this upper level wind these stronger upper level winds will start to move over into the Atlantic Ocean. However, this is also as we move into August, September and October like I said, we start we start to see more of an active pattern. We see these these waves of low pressure with con, with convection move off of Africa and many times what we'll see are tropical cyclones form from these waves of low pressure. And so we may still see that, but but the problem that we'll likely see this year is, as opposed to previous years, whenever the the pattern was more active, is we'll see this we'll see these storms get sheared off quickly, which will limit the development of the storms and pretty much shut shut down their development altogether. Mm-hmm. And so El Nino absolutely does play a role in this. I would also say that the PDO the Pacific Decadal Oscillation is also playing somewhat of a role in this too, because the P, because the P, the PDO right now we're in a pot we're in a positive phase of that, which means that the Eastern Pacific Ocean is anomalously warm, whereas the Western Pacific Ocean is anomalously cool, mm-hmm. and so if you combine the, the the effects of the positive phase of the PDO and also the effects of and of the El Nino, of El Nino, perhaps the PDO is somewhat amplifying the effects of El Nino, which is which is causing for the waters in the equatorial Pacific and the east and the entire eastern Pacific to be warmer than normal, and and so perhaps that's also what's contributing to our mons to a stronger monsoon pattern. Yeah. So far this year for Colorado, but it's also likely to contribute to more upper, stronger upper level winds out in the tropical Atlantic. Mm-hmm. And so Colorado State University 
they've just updated their forecasts on how many named storms they expect to see. And at the last, the last I saw, they expect eight named storms for the year, which is well below average for an average hurricane season, which we usually see about 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. And we already got two of those. We have two of them down, but certainly they don't expect much more from here. Wow. So they, they are forecasting for, like I said, eight named storms, three hurricanes, and for one of those hurricanes to be a major hurricane. And so it, it, has, a, it has happened before where we've seen this, you know, we haven't seen that much in hurricane activity, but yet we, we had one big hurricane form. It happened in 1992 with Hurricane Andrew. Mm-hmm. Andrew was the first storm. It made landfall in South Beach as a, <laughs> cat, as a Category 5 hurricane. Way to go, Andy. Woo-woo. <laughs> yeah. That's not something you should be cheering about. I Andy. know, yeah. <laughs> you, were, you, were, you were the costliest hurricane in U.S. history. Sorry, Until sorry. Katrina came along. Until Katrina came along. You can thank her. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. It's one of the costliest hurricanes since we've been so, keeping up with it. So did the um, did Colorado State say why that they're forecasting only eight named storms? Basically the factors I, I mentioned already. The the cold sea surface temperatures, the enhanced shearing. So I have and, a question about those mm-hmm. cold sea surface temperatures. Right. Do they know like why they're cold? I didn't. I I didn't read any documentation on that, but that's a very so good you, question. You mentioned the Pacific decadal oscillation, but the Atlantic also goes through a decadal cycle. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's going into a cold phase, or maybe just internal variability? Oh, well, it's po- it's certainly possible. It would it would make a lot of sense since the sea surface temperatures in the Atlantic Ocean are well below normal. So that that certainly could be factoring in as well, because I'm just the, curious because the pa- because the past okay. month the the Atlantic well, has just been extremely bone dry and very little in the way of moisture. So certainly we we could tie that into the equation as well. So it's not, yeah, certainly it's something we we could probably look more into, and yeah. we will look into. What was the 2009 hurricane season like? 2009? That was another El Nino year, wasn't it? It was an El Nino year. It was kind of similar, a week to moderate El Nino. It was a, yeah, it was a week to moderate El Nino again. I think we actually did see more named storms that year. We, we reached the letter I, which I remember Hurricane Ida very well because <laughs> it was deemed a Category 1 hurricane prior to its landfall. And... The very last recon flight that went out to investigate the storm saw that the maximum sustained winds in the storm, while it was being broadcasted as a hurricane, were only 39 miles per hour, mm. which by definition <laughs> oh. is a depression. Is a depression. <laughs> of course, it's insane thing, I bet. So what they did was they slowly downgraded it from a hurricane to a, a depression what they did was and at the yeah at the at the midnight advisory they kept it a hurricane at the six o'clock advisory they made it a tropical storm and then at 
the, and that the following noon advisory, they made it a depression. So over a 12-hour period, they adjusted the mistake. But, <laughs> but initially, it was crazy to see. What was the initial estimate based off of? Satellite? I have no idea, because I was looking at it the whole time. No, they would, they would have been recon flying that if it was that close to the coast. Right. Why well, would... Hmm. hmm. It just weakened so fast. Well, it was... Was it ever a hurricane? It was... Realistic? Oh, yes, it was. The fir- further in the, in the Gulf... Further south in the Gulf of Mexico, it definitely was a hurricane. And it, def- and it definitely had the organization of a hurricane. But as it started to move north, it was experiencing some pretty strong wind shear. Due to a due to a trough that was digging to the south, and once that happened, you 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 knew that the storm was looking less and less symmetrical over time, which is usually a very good sign of disorganization. And one and once that happened, I knew at that point we didn't see we didn't have a hurricane on our hands, but mm-hmm. it it took some further investigation for for them for. People, the the people at uh at the National Hurricane Center to I suppose realize that because at at that time I was working for a, a small private weather company and I was covering that storm and the whole and oh, so man. I was at work while seeing this all happen. They did a recon flight I know because I saw it as it was going on uh-huh. and they were making the updates and I just couldn't believe my eyes how weak it was. And wow. yet it was being advertised as something different. <laughs> that brings up a good point, I guess. Do you remember Hurricane Sandy? Yes. It was a similar scenario. Or it probably wasn't to that extent. <laughs> where Hurricane Sandy was making landfall in the coast of New Jersey. And clearly it wasn't a hurricane when making landfall. But they were still advertising it as a hurricane. Right, mm-hmm. Like, it was probably 50 or 60 miles per hour. I don't know what the reanalysis was. Right. But, you know, do you think for public awareness they should keep these things hurricanes? I mean, does it really matter to the public? That's a good point. Does it matter to them? It's tough to say. I mean, I would would say that the intentions are good. As a matter of fact, I would would say they're very good for safe, for at least for safety awareness. Yeah, because... You right. still have the propagation of the storm mm-hmm. uh, moving at like what thirty or forty exactly. fifty miles an hour exactly, and adding that on to the wind speeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, because yeah, you, you don't you can't just factor the the angular the angular velocity of the storm, which is how we determine the maximum sustained winds of the storm itself. But you also have to factor in the linear motion of the storm itself. So one side on one side of the storm. People are going to experience stronger winds than they would on, say, if you have a populace that are experiencing the opposite side of the storm. Just from being on different sides. Being in different quadrants of the tropical cyclone. Yeah. So, Sandy was definitely a situation where... I would say, you know, for public awareness purposes and the fact that the the population of the area that was being affected was so high, they wanted to keep they wanted to keep 
you know, classifying it as a hurricane mm-hmm. to yeah. keep the public eye on them and keeping their attention. And, you know, it, I mean, it may, it may not be, it may not necessarily be the right thing to do. I mean, for accuracy purposes, but it's especially for the atmospheric scientists that are, that are studying it now, but for public awareness and for safety, it may be the right thing to do, but it's, it's a tough call. I don't know what I would do in that position. I guess I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> Since most people, I guess, tropical storm sounds way less intimidating than a hurricane. Right. And people mm-hmm. might not take it seriously. Yeah. Psychological. And to the extent of Sandy, at least, there was just a ton of storm surge. So the wind wasn't mm-hmm. a major... I mean, it probably was, but... It wasn't the storm surge was the main thing. I mean, yeah. with the water storms, that's the case. But yep, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, with, with all that in mind, um, I'm basically anticipating a very a very inactive hurricane season as well for the tropical Atlantic. And certainly, in previous El Nino years, we saw that 2009, 1997 was a very strong El Nino, where we saw only seven named storms. Hurricane Danny being the strongest of those, and it was only a Category 1 hurricane, actually dumped four feet of rain in some areas of of the Alabama, Mississippi, and Florida panhandle. So so even, even when you have an inactive season, nice. one big one, I mean, that's all it takes. So. Yeah? Mm-hmm. 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 So, think, so thinking about... The El Nino pattern this year. Where do you think... Is there more favorable areas where these storms will form that they'll be... The storms can form? Well, right now, the the main, the main focal point will be the, the Gulf of Mexico, the Bay, the Bay of Campeche, and, and the, the areas in the Caribbean because... The, the water temperatures out there are a little bit warmer than they are in, in the tropical Atlantic. And there is a little bit more moisture. Not much, but a little bit more moisture in those areas. So perhaps if we, if we see more convection form, we, we, could see, we could see a spin up from that and perhaps some tropical development. But at this, at this point... Even in those areas, which are probably the most favorable at this time, we're not seeing much. So they're experiencing that shear already, right? Um, so they're experiencing it? some of it, but it's not super strong right now. It'll pro- it's going to pick up more as we get into August and September. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as the Pacific heats up, blowtorch. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> And that will also be the same feature that will be enhancing our monsoon, probably, yep. right? Mm-hmm. That subtropical jet yep. picking up or bringing more Pacific moisture in. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So it'll be giving us more rain and then inhibiting hurricanes. Yeah, at the same the time. East. Yeah. I don't know where I heard it, but they were saying even if the mm-hmm. El Nino continues to strengthen, it may not really help California much with... I mean, even it would give them more. It would give them more, more rainfall. Right. Then they don't think it's gonna alleviate their drought pattern. Mm-hmm. Right. But I read an article that was saying basically California 
to be good to get a lot of to actually benefit from an El Nino, it needs to be a weak El Nino. <laughs> How about yeah, that? Like a, like a... Instead, if the El Nino is too strong, it actually starts being anti-correlated again. Whereas, like, like a moderate to weak El Nino is actually better for them. Huh. But who knows? It's moderate still, right? Or weak? Maybe? Um, or is it? It would still be weak to moderate. <laughs> I think, right? Yeah, that's what From I've what seen. I can tell, I've seen, I think the ONI index is 0. 0.7 or 0. 0.8. Mm-hmm. Or was it 9? I'm not sure, but it still hasn't broken the 1.0 threshold. Right. Which would be where you would consider, I would say, moderate. Mm-hmm. So, exactly. but the models are still saying a little bit more strengthening mm-hmm. before it peaks out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, we'll see what happens. Still a lot of the tropical hurricane the tropical season to go and certainly we still have a lot of a monsoon mm-hmm. season to go as well can we pin it on you and if, <laughs> ask you in our podcast in december and see if it verified we'll see sure let's do it right. <laughs> <laughs> so i will i will i will go with csu and i will i will because i very much agree with what they're saying eight name storms three hurricanes however i'm not going to go with their forecasts with one major hurricane i'm going to say that there will be zero whoa bold statement so bold statement oh. there it's tough to say at this point but that's what i'm going with it's so, like a pretty inactive what's a major there. definition a major hurricane means the maximum sustained winds of the hurricane have to exceed at least category three strength mm-hmm. and exactly what a category three strength is, I I want to say it's a 100, 111 miles per hour. That would make sense. Yeah, maybe. So it has to exceed at least that in order to be category three strength. Really? Mm-hmm. Category one is. I want to say one. Seven, category one is seventy five miles per hour, and then and then category two is I want to say ninety. 90 or 91, then category 3 is, again, I think it's either 105 or 110. Bring it up. We're bringing it up right now. Okay, so category 1 is 74 to 95 miles per hour. Category 2 is 96 to 110. So, yes, I was right. Nice. Category 3 was category 111. Three. So, yeah. 111 to 130 is a category 3 storm. Cat 4 is 131 to 155 miles per hour. Ooh. And then Cat 5 is anything greater than 155. Ooh. Yeah. Do they still yeah. use central pressure for any of these estimations, or do they do all recon? Or... Well, the so, the Saffir-Sim- so basically the Saffir-Simpson scale is based only on the maximum sustained wind now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, which is kind of misleading because a hurricane can have, you know, relatively low maximum winds. Yeah. But the the radius of those hurricane force winds yeah. can extend out from the center quite a bit. Whereas you could also have a hurricane where the maximum sustained winds could be category 5 strength. But the but the radius of hurricane force winds may only extend out ten to twenty miles from the center, 
So I would say it's not necessarily the the maximum win that we should be focusing on, but also the central pressure, the the pressure field, the wind field, mm-hmm. things like that. And that will give us a better indication of how much how much uh, storm surge we'll see and how strong will the wind be, things like that. Yeah. Hmm, that's an interesting point. Yeah. I've been through many of these, so <laughs> I've had a lot of time to think about them. <laughs> yeah. I still think it's good to classify it for what a worst-case scenario. Yeah. I mean, even if the Cat 5 wins are only this tiny little... Exactly. Oh, no, area. You have to. I, I mean, mean, you never know where that's going to hit. Again, it's a public exactly. Again, it's a public awareness thing. Mm-hmm. You you have to you have to classify things. People relate to that better. So, yeah. it's it's important to make those classifications. Yeah. So, I'm okay with it, but I think the system could be tweaked. Tweaked for science. <laughs> As with anything else. Right, exactly. <laughs> Always room for change. We're always, you know, we're always critics. I mean, that's just how it is. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. Well. Well, I guess we better sign off, right? Yeah, we're running a little long tonight. Yeah. But. Had a good time. We had our tropical export here. We had to put him on the spot. Yeah. Get his opinions. Yeah. On this season. We'll try to do better next time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we'd like to keep it around an hour. We know you guys got stuff going on in your lives. You can't listen to all this. But regardless. Yeah. yeah. Well. Yeah, if you're going out this weekend, just be safe. Even though we expect relatively dry conditions, just be safe if you're out hiking. Be sure to, you know, again, take precaution. If if you are going to do any outdoor activities, be, be wary of lightning that might be in the area so just stay tuned to bouldercast we'll, we'll provide you any we'll provide you the updates yeah and remember category three hurricanes start at 111 miles per hour that's right yeah, yeah. in case anyone asks you random fact exactly yeah spread the word yep let's Car- close it out guys all righty take it easy yep it's have a good here. one see you later. Later.